And so it really reminded me of Appalachia (laughs) and how people there are always like, if you see or hear anything scary, no, you didn't. You know, (laughs) but like if you're walking through the woods and someone's calling your name, no, you didn't. If you hear a child crying in the woods, no, you didn't. (laughs) Okay. You have shut all your curtains. I was like, I need to go to Appalachia. I was like, I want to visit. No, you don't. (laughs) I'm not going to answer, but I want to be there. I want to be back. No, Gabe, stop. Yeah, as we do, this is uh, Ghouls Next Door, the media literacy show from Horror Lens, where we talk about the real life, historical, geological reasonings behind our cinematic fears, and we are talking about haunted towns still. Yeah, because when we were doing it, we're like, wow, there's a lot to say about towns in the United States doing shady stuff that would justify haunting in some way because like everywhere in this country we're haunted by the history um and also there's like a ton of media about it reasonably so uh mm-hmm. so and this was like we'll do more of it eventually <laughs> yeah and to be fair this was the episode that i pitched when we were thinking of the haunted series and we we're gonna do haunted towns and then barbarian mm-hmm. came out and we watched it and we were like oh wait no that's also a <laughs> we're also doing that one and then instead of having one very incredibly long episode we broke it up into two and i think we have a haunted town series in our future because not there's so much to say (laughs) about them yeah yeah i mean even like when i was doing my research is like i had an idea of where i thought i was gonna go uh but it ended up being just like way more fascinating than I even expected it to be like I was just like whoa I wasn't even kind of expecting like all of this like I knew mining and industry towns were like doing stuff that was kind of shady but it was also like wow okay well this was like down the street a few hours Mm -hmm. from where I live right now so uh super interesting for sure um Mm -hmm. always surprised think that's something we experience often we're like we go to do something and we're like it's gonna do this and then we're like but it's also gonna do seven other things that we didn't expect yeah. it to we're do like whoa wait a minute am i learning mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i so we're gonna be talking about um centralia pa and we're also going to be talking about a, a comic book that is inspired by central centralia pa it is not exactly that but it has a lot of similarities and i definitely picked up on it when i was reading it um but i was always kind of interested in centralia growing up because of silent hill and because yeah. people on the internet were always like this is the real life Silent Hill because it's on fire and it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. full of smoke all the time and it's spooky and people aren't allowed to go there. And like, yeah, I was like, Ooh, I want to go there because (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go to the place that it says not to do, yeah, uh, but also exactly. Silent Hill. I feel like it's like a foundational piece of childhood to like that game mm-hmm. uh, and like youth in general that like, I don't know if that was like a universal thing, but I also had very fond memories of Silent Hill that I didn't even realize existed like for Centralia until you told me. Uh, but it's like, I feel like it's like a foundational piece of what got us into horror as well and like video games hmm Yeah, yeah. Definitely Silent Hill did that. And I am very excited to learn more about it because I only know like what they would put in those articles that are like, This town, did you know this town's been on fire for a bajillion years? I'm like, whoa, yeah. it's been on fire since before I existed. And <laughs> it's still, like, still doing that. that. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and that was like the least interesting thing that happened there, which I just think is really wild considering how interesting that specific fact is. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about it. It says a it. lot about your town. Yeah, it says a lot about it. And I think like, um, and so I picked it because uh, uh, the the story that we're going to be talking about is um, in a make-believe Pennsylvania town called Shutter to Think that's very clearly <laughs> um, uh, inspired by it. And um, Carmen Maria Machado is the author of it. She wrote it. Um, it has like art um, by these really interesting artists, but she, it's her story and it's her first like comic book, um, but mm-hmm. she's from Pennsylvania. And oh, okay. I <laughs> was like, I, um, I read this I read Lola Woods and I was like oh it was really cool and then it was like no she writes books books and I was like okay hold on Mm. and then I started reading um her short stories um her body and other stories and then I was reading her Mm. um uh her book which is is real what it not biography but nonfiction. Mm-hmm. um in the dream house and while i was reading in the dream house <laughs> which is like now one of my favorite books i think it's phenomenal yeah. and i was like obsessed with this writer and uh she like mentions like oh and i'm in you know i'm in my west philly apartment with my wife and i'm like i'm in my west philly apartment <laughs> like Carmen where are you and it's like there's all these (laughs) discussions about her you know being in Pennsylvania towns and all that so then I was like wait a second then all like it's confirmed I was like now it's confirmed me thinking that that was inspired by because I was just like kind of gives me those vibes it definitely feels like it um it also has some interesting blends of like indigenous folklore creatures and like Mm -hmm. this understanding that we need to like respect the environment and all of that so yeah it's pretty cool yeah and I'm also really surprised that there's not a lot of discussion about this book um there like there is but it's all very like to get people to read it instead of like diving into it so I'm like oh do we just not like spoil comics which is totally valid um (laughs) in the same way that like people you know it's a two days after a film comes out and people are unpacking it in a very specific way and that just isn't happening and I don't think we've done a comic book before yeah we haven't done many comics if any I'm not really sure uh but I think it's, I mean, we've talked about horror in comics before, but uh, it wasn't not in like, depth by any means. And it wasn't like a specific author either mm-hmm. uh, or illustrator. Uh, yeah. 
it was kind of like the concept <laughs> of horror and comics instead of mm-hmm. like about this story and then we're using it because I think that's what's just, so it's like am I just missing the whole comic culture where we don't talk about that stuff <laughs> or something well uh, I, mean, I don't know on our show we do the thing where we're like spoilers are here <laughs> don't yes. listen anymore and then we pause for a second and give them the opportunity to pause so I don't know you can't do that with an article I guess I guess like you put in bold, like, don't read past this point, but like, it's yeah. about it. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes they put a little I don't know if they have spoken like... rules. Yeah. Where you have to, like, click it to <laughs> yeah. un- unspoil it, where you have to, yeah, like, yeah. actually intentionally pick to reveal it. I need to figure out how to do that on our If we figure it out, we'll do it. If we can't, I don't know. We put this, don't we say spoiler one. at least. And yeah, then it's like, go one. just skip ahead to cat section. <laughs> like yeah. they won't, they're not spoiling in the same way or, um, yeah. So, yeah. um, why don't I hop in? Cause I'm yeah. very excited to learn about what is going on with Centralia. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, let me get there. Also, I just like really want people to read this comic specifically. <laughs> I will say it's a very quick read. So, as we always say, just please go out and read it, and I'll I'll mention yeah. that. But um, <laughs> today we're talking about the Lola Woods, which I have a little uh, I have a comic of here. It's got some spooky deer woman in the back. Um, yeah, which is <laughs> which is so good. Yes, I found it. Cool. So the Lola Woods is from 2020, and it is about when your memories are stolen. What would you give to remember? Follow L and V as they search for answers to the question everyone else forgot. Shudder to think Pennsylvania is plagued by a mysterious illness that eats away at the memories of those affected by it. L and Octavia are two best friends who find themselves the newest victims of this disease after waking up in a movie theater with no memory of the past few hours. As L and V dive deeper into the mystery behind their lost memories, they realize the stories of their town hold more dark truth than they could have imagined. It's up to L and V to keep their own fr- their town from falling apart, to keep the world safe from Shudder to Think's monsters. It's written by Carmen Maria Machado, which I explained <laughs> a few times now. I am obsessed with. So, yeah. um, and this was the first thing I read by them, and was like, "Wow, they're amazing." <laughs> so, hopefully, you'll read it and also be inspired. Um, mm. So the Lola Woods quickly became one of my all-time favorite horror comics. Um, it features uh, BIPOC queer girls, which I was like, already it's amazing. Um, and I really resonated with like the blend of horror and just societal issues, which is you know what we do <laughs> here on the show. So um, the story highlights the toxicities and impact of generational trauma and the patriarchy on our communities. And as explained, it follows two best friends, Ellen Octavia, otherwise known as V, who wake up in their small local theater with entire blocks of time missing from their minds. They do not know what happened before they woke up or why there is dirt and mud on their shoes. Where did they mm-hmm. go? Um, and part of them is concerned. There's like a reaction from like a local boy who works there where they're like, this doesn't seem quite right. Um, whereas other, another of the, this duo is quick to want to forget 
and just move on. Like nothing happened, nothing to see, nothing to do, nothing to see. <laughs> Let's just go. Yeah. Um, their town is full of questionably spooky things that no one quite acknowledges. It really, <laughs> when I was like, the fact that like no one quite acknowledges the horror parts of it, like um, there's like skinless men. And they show up and it's oh, not God. like, okay, we go talk to the authorities. Like none, none of that happens. Instead, it's just like, oh, <laughs> there they are again. Make sure you make sure you just it's all about like take these precautions so these things don't happen to you because those men are inevitable. And so it really reminded me of Appalachia <laughs> and how people there are always like, if you see or hear anything scary, no, you didn't. You know, <laughs> yeah. but like if you're walking through the woods and someone's calling your name, no, you didn't. If you hear a child yeah. crying in the woods, no, you didn't. <laughs> okay, you have shut all your curtains i was like i need to go to appalachia i was like i want to visit no you don't I love trouble. <laughs> i'm not gonna answer but i want yeah to be okay there. i want to be back no gabe stop <laughs> why <laughs> why it's so ridiculous every time i watch those tiktoks of people like there's like one of a girl and she's like walking and she hears literally it just sounds like a, a guy and i was like it's definitely a guy out there but he's just like hey hey <laughs> I was no. like, There's, that sounds like such a regular human I would have been like what like I live in the you city people call me like what's going on right like I'm not in the woods <laughs> so oh, I um, also don't respond when someone says hey to me if I don't know him I'm like I'm walking that's true. I'm always like goodbye was that for me um no it wasn't big run <laughs> so this town remember reminds me of that because it's very much like everybody knows that things are crazy everyone knows that there's bad stuff out there that other people would be like what is going on um but you don't respond to it you're not allowed to respond to it um because the entire town operates on this idea that if we don't acknowledge the harm then it isn't actually harming us which isn't true Mm -hmm. um it's just kind of like oh if we don't say anything about it then there's no problem um Mm -hmm. there are creatures in the woods shown hauntingly beautiful in the graphic novels thanks to the artist danny um including rabbits with human eyes dear women skinless men and the truly terrifying sinkholes that occur within young girls um one of which opens up in the middle of these girlfriends and it's Mm -hmm. at the end of like (laughs) one of the first chapters you just see like the sinkhole opens up and it's just like the next chapter they don't talk about it (laughs) she's like not she's like so freaked out she doesn't even talk to her girlfriend and then later we find out what happened and you're just like it adds to like all the the issues of this town like it's definitely just one of the acknowledging problem (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like and you're just like left like wait no no what (laughs) wait go back to that what are you talking about um and and the town just exists in such an odd place of bizarre occurrences that you can't even point to the culprit um and at one point the two girls encounter the deer with the head of a woman and later ponder where she came from saying maybe someone effed up a spell or maybe it came out of the crevice in the park and you're like sure just casually and then be crevices in the park and you're like (laughs) no big deal just say it and then like he's like oh well maybe we should tell someone and then Elle explains 
what and set off a curfew like last year forget it i don't feel like evading monsters and cops at the same time my legs are not that long dude and <laughs> that's like at the beginning like this is the first time you see this dear woman and you're like what and they're like well <laughs> it would be a hassle to talk about not only this dear woman but just like have to deal with police and it's yeah. like yeah um <laughs> and this conversation and and like yeah it's the it, that that conversation and approach to the particular to the peculiar uh sets the tone for the very complicated town of shudder to think that is plagued by monsters and obviously the true horrors which is men and yeah corruption right um okay. and so <laughs> just like them it's they're clearly a product of their environment they're like, oh, mm -hmm. well, okay. Um, Shudder the Thing, Pennsylvania is where the story takes place. And this town is a reimagining of Pennsylvania's own Centralia. Um, and it's pretty clearly that. <laughs> I'll explain some of the similarities too. But for those of you who don't know, Centralia is, is an old coal mining borough in near Ghost Town. Its population declined from 1,000 in 1980 to five residents in 2020 because a coal mine fire has been burning beneath the borough since 1962. And as Kat will explain, is not even the most interesting part of this. Um, and on an article... Mm -hmm on dc.com titled The Monsters and Men of the Lolo Woods by Juliet Bennett Ryla. They explain there are conflicting stories as to how the fire began. Some say firefighters set the town dump on fire to clean it up, during which the fire spread through an unsealed opening into an abandoned coal, mi coal mine below. Others say the fire started when someone dumped hot coals or ash in a trash pit. In the 1980s, after a sinkhole that belched lethal levels of carbon monoxide nearly swallowed a 12-year-old boy, most residents accepted federal relocation money and skipped town. Some refused stubbornly, declaring Centralia their home, but today there are fewer than 10 remaining residents. It's like, yeah, five <laughs> in 2020. Um, I do think people are coming yeah. back. Um, it is deemed... It, safe to live in now i think i saw that somewhere but i don't think like there's not anything there because it was a coal town and now that industry just is not working <laughs> so yeah. um again uh something that uh cat will talk about in their section so um there are other troubling histories that shadow the town of centralia which cat will discuss um and this includes the poor treatment of the mine workers and the inevitable uprisings and revolts by the molly mcguires and machado references them briefly in the story and makes other connections between the fictional real on fire town throughout um it's like a yeah. little brief nod um but she mentions the town's proximity to philadelphia and even tells tales of a boy falling victim to the fires swallowed by a sinkhole you know and also like mentions like what happened to make the town set on fire and it's very clearly one of the guesses <laughs> of what happened to mm -hmm. centralia so it's like it's very on the nose this is centralia um the environmental stresses and social issues of the real centralia permeate the pages of the graphic novel quite well um you can catch that all throughout the the entire book. Um, residents suffer ailments due to the mines, including bootleg mines set up in their own basements. So people trying to get in on the profits of the coal mines without having to work for those higher up problematic people, which we learn about, um, yeah. were creating their own access to those mines in their own homes. 
um which is crazy like in the story um i don't think people yeah, had they do that in the real place too bootleg they mines. did yeah. okay <laughs> it was like um, was out of their homes but people like went in there with, without any regulations or training they were like yeah just get some coal for myself which is so funny because <laughs> sidebar but in riverdale season five when they're, when they're adults they like discover there's like a you know a uh uh is at some point they discovered that there's some type of element or thing that's in the under the the tr- groves that uh is worth a lot of money <laughs> you know unobtainium kind of thing and at one point they're like oh we're just gonna send a handful of men to the mines and there's like no discuss like there's not even a canary in there like there's so like yeah. and then at one point cheryl just has like she takes in this young queer girl who's like a high schooler who are like parents kicked down she's like yes i'll take this girl under my wing she has her working in her coal mine like just her <laughs> Like, what? The show's crazy. Oh my gosh. That's, that show. I can't. One day we'll talk about it because it's wild. Anyway, these ones have, also have um, bootleg mines. And one of them is in a basement because this older woman who's at like a retirement home, Elle goes to visit her Mm -hmm. um, with like, she brings her dog around to um, visit the older folks. And so this woman explains that she has blackened lungs because she lived her whole life inhaling the fumes, never knowing that air wasn't supposed to smell like it's on fire. Wow. She just didn't know better. You know, like her whole life, you don't know that's wrong. And then now she's suffering from it. Like it, like mm-hmm. she can never leave because it's in her. Right. Um, and Shudder to Think is also on fire, but its residents refuse to leave. And as terrifying as it is to have their town burning below, the real horrors come from the town's curse. Because many years ago, the town was plagued by a strange ailment. Women in the town had a tendency to lose time, much like our protagonists. They would wake up in strange places and in strange ways, with no recollection of how they got there, what had been done to them, or by whom. And just as the spooky creatures in the woods go unspoken of, so too do these occurrences. And the girls begin investigating and make some jarring discoveries about the town. Um, And I truly do not want to spoil this book because I want people to read it. Um, Like, it's it's a quick read. I've read it twice um, because I was like, I need a refresher for this episode. So I read it again in one night. It's very, like, quick. Um, it's, It's a graphic novel, so... It's a lot of pictures, a lot of like looking at it. It's beautifully illustrated. And just uh, Maria, uh, Carmen Maria Machado's like prose and just the way that she explains things is really like captivating. And you'll just be like in it. (laughs) Like you're going to be like so interested in what the heck is going on because she's just a great storyteller flat out um so (laughs) please support a local comic shop and grab the comics and just give it a read and then come back uh you can skip over to to cat section to talk to hear about the actual centralia because very interesting um situations there especially now when we're thinking about like labor unions um and protests and and such with uh the um train train operators so um still doing it still doing it turns out you know people aren't as liberal as they said they were anyway read the book and that's just like all the time (laughs) like everything like you think yeah 
You think we learned by now? I think it's crazy that you have to explain to anyone that unions are good, except for police unions. Those ones are. I not. mean, it's it's a product of the schooling system. Like they intentionally underfund schools so that people don't actually know, and they defund like critical race theory and other things mm-hmm. that would actually tell people about these things purposefully so that they're ignorant, and then they're just like, well, you know, let's not disrupt society to make change. Yeah, we've only done this. So let it continue. Very much just what this is about. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's also this, like, idea of, like, it's always been that way, but it hasn't. Like, this is all new. Like, in the grand scheme of yes. things, this is new. It was a test. We were trying it out. It doesn't work. We do something different. Why are we not doing that? <laughs> like, that's how you're supposed they're like, to like, oh, approach. we've never done it before, so let's not do it. And it's like, that's literally what now is. We didn't <laughs> do it before. We're doing it now. Just because it's unprecedented, maybe that's a good thing, friends. Yeah, clearly oh, well, this bad. Know, Something else We're not in might charge be good. Of the government. So <laughs> Yeah. But those who are, listen, what read this book, okay? Read this graphic novel and ask yourself some questions. So I'm going into spoilers town because LMV learn about the burning town secrets while exploring their own turbulent teen emotions as you do um which i thought was really beautifully interwoven um just like exploring yourself and there's also no questions like again like i said there's it's queer um but it's never like that's a problem (laughs) it's like v's a lesbian period there's a trans witch done like not like i it it's beautifully woven into there so um yeah let's hop into (laughs) spoiler town for the lola woods um go read it but the best friends can't agree on how to address the missing time so l wants to investigate to learn the truth and ultimately do something about it um in a moment of vulnerability she reveals to v that when she returned home from the theater that day her underwear had been inside out which obviously isn't the way she put them on in that morning so you know um and as alarming as this is to hear v reacts in a way to save her own sanity she simply does not want to know what happened to her and to have her peace of mind destroyed by the truth which is totally valid um it's just you know uh l is approaching it of like trying to force her to do this and v is trying to escape like instead of like addressing the issue she's like i'll just leave <laughs> like we're just gonna leave the town that's toxic and that'll fix everything. And Elle is like, no, we have to address the problems of this town. Also, like, where can we go? You know? Um, and so they have this falling out. Um, and uh, V had actually gone to talk with a local witch who's an older woman who has the appearance of a young girl. And this witch shares a remedy for the worries and concoction that would allow V to forget that she even forgot. It's explained that it softens the edges of the memory to appear as if there's no tear there. So she wouldn't even know that something had occurred that she should be worried about. Um, And the witch remarks that this is a remedy remedy that she makes the most, um, that women in the town are often asking for this. And um, because they can't figure out what happened to them, they can't know. So instead of having that gnaw away and eat at you, just forget that you don't know what happened to you instead of having that shadow over you and after a fight and a reconnecting uh the girls find themselves at the witch's house once more and while there they learn the truth about shudder to think in the missing memories of women um now a lot of stuff happens in between then (laughs) you like i said you learn about the sinkhole um in the girl 
you learn about um, there's a connection between L and V that is really strong to the point of like they can feel each other's emotions, even going as far as like if one person gets hurt, the other person will have the same scar. So <laughs> that adds to like how peculiar the town is. You learn about how they met. You learn about how they trust each other and have this really deep connection just emotionally too. So um, I just wanted to <laughs> get to the to the big reveal because um, that kind of tells a bit more. Um, but those things definitely play into, um, especially the sinkhole. Like what happens is why there's a sinkhole is obviously like a... Um, a manifestation of a pain that people can't remember they have if that makes sense so because this stuff is happening to them their body is reacting in a way creating sinkholes um making that and, it, and it's also tied like the sinkholes happen when they're really happy and content content which is like you know if you're a survivor and you have moments where you're happy there are times where like those things just pop up because you feel like you shouldn't be happy and you don't deserve that so it's very valid um in a good representation of surviving trauma and assault so read the book <laughs> so um the witch tells them a story from her youth and as a young girl she would watch the mine workers walk to and from the mines and one day one of the men stopped by and knocked on her door and he asked if she would go with him to see something beautiful, to which she says, yes, because she's a child. And he takes her to the sanatorium, which was for those with delicate sensibilities, usually women and sometimes queer folk. And he brings her to a fountain in the woods and asks her to drink the water. And after like looking at it, she yells no and screams for help and receives help from a woman in the sanatorium, and the man is arrested and the investigation begins. However, it doesn't get far before the man hangs himself in his cell. And the gossip in town was one of anger. The town's women suspecting a cover-up happens um, because like, how did he know? Because he was a tra like he traveled there for the mines. How did he know about the fountain? Um, there was a guard who let the man into the sanatorium, how did he know, etc. So there's quite a few things where it's just like, things aren't adding up here. Why is there even this fountain? Anyway, to help this young girl heal, they send her to the sanatorium where the woman who saved her begins teaching her witchcraft. And this woman is trans um, and explains her power and her abilities to um, do witchcraft and actually really helps her and becomes kind of like a, a mother figure to her. And, um, the this new witch learns magic and is told about the water at the sanatorium which helps you forget or makes you forget and so they refuse to drink and eventually um they are searching for a remedy and one day they find a magic mushroom and the witch takes a small sip of the concoction and learns of the things she didn't even know she had forgotten so she had thought okay i'm just going to learn about this one instance and then she's flooded with memories because the time the man took her to the fountain was not the first time that he had done that. It was only the first time she had said no. Um, and with her rage from learning the truth and from the violence the town inflicts on her friends and the other women, she works on a new spell, one that erupts the town into flames. So the townsmen had gotten very terribly corrupt with the water and 
um, women were forced to forget so often that some of them forgot their own names, just broke them because they were subjected to that so many times. It just ruined them. Um, the men grew lazy and wouldn't even bother returning them to where they had found the woman. They would just leave them in the spaces of assault and in questionable conditions, just like in their underwear. Clearly something traumatic has happened to them. They don't know what it was. Now they have even more evidence that something terrible happened and don't know. And it would make them even more vulnerable. And like men were just doing this willy nilly, not being held accountable. Um, in like just ridiculous way. So the her anger in creating the spell was a result of that. Um, and so the spell dragged these poisonous men to the fires, resulting in the skinless men. She wanted to be rid of them and for them to be stuck in torment. And anytime they try to get out, they'd be brought right back down to the eternal flames here. Um, and to help the women forget and be free, uh, the witch transformed them into the rabbits with human eyes and the deer woman. She thought that would be the best way to help them is just to kind of put them somewhere else, uh, reduce the trauma, I guess. Um, and in a rage, Elle explains that it should be the women's choice to remember or forget they forgot. So the three of them concoct two remedies, remedies, one to forget and one to remember, and they leave them for every woman to find even the changed ones. So there's a scene where you see a rabbit turn into a woman and you see that the deer woman um, doesn't take either. And at the end, you know, well, Elle had eaten the mushrooms, but V is left with the choice and you don't know which one she chose. Um, and the Lola Woods is ultimately a haunting tale of societal suppression and abuse. And reflected in the simmering fires below, the hurt and pain is not something easily abated. If left unchecked, it will fester and infect the generations to come. And those girls won't know that the air shouldn't taste of fire until it's too late and they can no longer breathe. So that's my section. <laughs> um, so uh, again, re <laughs> read it. It's it's super traumatizing, but it does have like a decent ending. And I was like, well, um, it's one of my favorite books this year. And um, I hope it inspires you to read more of Carmen's work and check out what she's doing because she's always up to something great. And uh, yeah, let's learn about Centralia. <laughs> um, well, Kat, why don't you tell us about the real horrors of Centralia? Because it's not quite as uh, gross, I guess. It's gross in a different way. It's gross, yeah, it's because gross in a different like, way. But, like, also still very gross. But also, like, <laughs> I imagine, honestly, all towns have some variety of the version of the story that you talked about in that like mm -hmm. the patriarchy is real and men are many times disgusting um doing horrible things to women without consent um so that seems like it'd be true <laughs> um and also like a lot of what happened in centralia seems to be a lot of people trying well, gross men trying to make decisions for other human beings that have mm -hmm. very much invasions of consent happening in a different way 
um, in the like forced labor and exploitation, etc. Um, but let me get into it. So when I started this, I was like, I'm just going to talk about cool mine fire or like talk about the fact that industry towns are inherently exploitative. And what I found was like, yes, that, but also like so much more. Um, so what is haunting so Centralia? Yeah, I'm like fascinated. I was like at this when I was researching, I was like, wow, I didn't really expect it to be this whole thing. And then I was like, but I'm also really glad I learned about it. <laughs> Because it's, like, very close to where we live. And I know we had, like, planned to visit it uh, Mm -hmm. and hopefully, honestly, might go take a look one day. But uh, it didn't happen this year in time for the episode. Uh, But it is, like, pretty... No forever. Exactly. There is always time until we no longer exist, uh, which will hopefully not happen anytime soon, friends. Um, so Centralia PA is fairly well known for inspiring games like Silent Hill and, uh, is now abandoned due to a mine fire that forced the evacuation of the town because of carbon monoxide leaks, sinkholes, and like other things. Uh, in fact, the town has been burning since, since 1962, which is a lot of time. It's 2022 right now. That is many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, according <laughs> to math. Um, And I'll get into, like, that piece of it later. Uh, But what was even more interesting about Centralia is that it has this pretty complex history that would give some more reasons slash cause for it to be haunted than, honestly, the fire does. Mm. Um, And what's wild is that, like, 90% of what it's known for is these fires. Mm -hmm. And all the other stuff I read was, like, I had to, like, search for it. Um, Like, I had... It mentions one thing and I'm like well why doesn't it like talk about that more that's interesting and then I had to google what that thing was and like went down this entire rabbit hole of like links and like googling oh, different wow. things because like <laughs> it was not organized in a way that made it simple to connect all the dots yeah. um and it and that was intentional because oh. uh industries really don't like strikes and they really don't mm-hmm. like unions And they want people to also not like unions and they don't want them to know that to get rid of unions, there's been like a lot of messed up stuff that's happened specifically in Pennsylvania and other areas of the country where they like literally enslaved people and then murdered them Mm -hmm. through the law because they were like, you did this thing. And they were like, yeah, I mean, we did, but that's because you like wouldn't feed us and made us work insane hours without paying us fairly and like exploited this entire group of people and we were like let's not do that and then you're like okay but also then you're the only one who gets consequences the business never gets consequences the government never gets consequences um so essentially there's like a lot of controversy around what i'm going to talk about in that lots of people like don't want you to know that that's what happened so let me get into it Um, before, uh, Centralia became Centralia, before the invasion of settlers, uh, it was land that belonged to the Lenny Lenape and the Susquehannock, uh, people, uh, I found this information on that cool link that we've mentioned previously, it's native-land.ca, which is a map that lets you know what native land you're on. Um, Mm -hmm. and it said that Pennsylvania seized that land, uh, and sold it to colonials for about 500 pounds in 1749. Um, and essentially like made all the native people leave. Uh, yeah. 
And after that, it just like didn't get better from there. <laughs> so on centraliapa.org, there's some information on the town's history, uh, specifically that in 1770, after it had been uh, purchased for 500 pounds, uh, it was not settled by actual colonial settlers until the 1770s, and then was acquired by Robert Morris uh, in 1793, who was a Revolutionary War vet and signer of the Declaration of Independence. And as a fun fact, he went bankrupt in 1798 <laughs> and had to like sell the land again, uh, and then was sent to debtor's prison. So this like already <laughs> not starting great, like already started bad. Um, <laughs> and it was many years before like the town was heard about again, like no one was really mm -hmm. talking about it. But then in 1830, the land was sold again at auction in Philadelphia to Stephen Gerard. Um, mm -hmm. They purchased the entirety of Morris lands, which includes Centralia, uh, for 30K because they theorized that coal would be found in that area. And that was valid in that there was lots of that. Um, uh, and they created a bunch of mines as a result. Gerard specifically was not the one to do this. He didn't do much with the land. So his purchasing wasn't that much of no other than an additional fun fact for you. Uh, but essentially, Bullshead Tavern was founded by Jonathan Faust in 1832 right next to about where the town was founded. Uh, and it was given the same name initially. It was Bull's Head name as the town. Yeah. Um, and then the land was purchased by the Locust Mountain Coal and Iron Company in 1842, which is when the land started to be worked on and transformed into a mining town. This is when everything started to like really build in terms of like violence and conflict uh, in addition to what had already taken place. Uh, mm -hmm. And they started to build these mines. And as happens when you build a mine, uh, to make profit, you have to exploit the people working for you. Um, so a coilery, which is like a coal mine, apparently, is what I learned, was built. And <laughs> coal mining began in 1854 after the completion of the Mine Run Railroad. And one thing that's very interesting about this is that the railroad people and the mining people were like married like they had they were in each other's pockets and they were in charge of everything that took place in these areas like the government mm. did not exist like they did but they like didn't it was new government you know 1776 mm -hmm. uh yeah they, they were still figuring stuff out like no one was really being like hey don't do that hey yeah. that's bad <laughs> stop it uh no there were no rules <laughs> because the government was in one town or city, and then they were like, we don't really have reach everywhere else. Everything was run by the states uh, until the Civil War. Uh, and this is when everything started to get bad, as expected. So a mining engineer at the Locust Mountain Coal and Iron Company named Alexander Rhea was given charge of the town, and he tried to rename it Centerville in the hopes that it would become a center point for commerce in the area. However, once the post office was established, because that that was didn't exist yet. So that's just giving yeah. more context of like how wild this time period was in terms of like they were not following the rules. Wild, wild uh, east. But, yeah. <laughs> the post <laughs> office was made and they were like, you can't have that name. That name already exists. And they didn't have the internet. So they didn't know that. Uh, so he was like, all right, I can't <laughs> have it be Centerville. I'm going to have it be Centralia instead. And that's how that went. So as the mining industry grew in that area, so did the population of the town, as well as the railroad industry. Uh, so a lot of railroads were built. A lot of mines were built. And additional mines were built in surrounding towns. So it was just like a hotbed for railroad industry and mining industry. Um, 
And because of the Lehigh and Mahoney Railroad, this enabled transport and expanded sales of coal from Centralia to markets further east in PA. Um, It really just started to make it boom economically for the specific people who owned the coal mine and the people who were deemed worthy of the financial resources. So consider in the time, I think it's very obvious who that was, which is Anglo-Saxon white people. And with the growing industry, the greed of companies operating the railroad and mining operations fueled just like working class people's discontent with what was happening, specifically immigrant populations who had moved to the town. For further context, this is like when most Irish American immigrants started to go into the U.S. because it was after the potato famine and they were Mm -hmm. looking for opportunities in the United States. A lot of them moved to the Centralia area and ended up being mine workers at a lot of these factories slash mining companies, like all these places that were industry locations that working class Anglo-Saxon people did not really want to work at, uh, went to immigrant populations. And uh, specifically, who I'm going to be focusing on is the Irish American immigrants that were really working to unionize mine workers at this time. So uh, as the profits started to increase, discontent surrounding working conditions also increased because uh, as you're making a lot of money to make profit, you usually do have to inherently within capitalism underpay your staff. Uh, So specifically, a group called the Molly Maguires operated in and around Centralia and were a group of Irish American immigrants that were working to organize unions of mine workers to improve wages and working conditions. Uh, apparently the Molly Aguirres were already well known across like uh, Europe in that a lot of them were from Ireland and like fought up against landlords back mm-hmm. uh, in Ireland. Uh, so they were also known for a fair amount of violence uh, taking place in Centralia throughout the late 1960s in response to unfair working conditions. Uh, According to History.com, the Molly Maguires are suspected to have committed a rash of violence within Centralia, including the murder of the town founder, Alexander Ray, who I mentioned previously. Um, They were accused of murdering him in his buggy in 1968, um, and it is theorized that the possible press and documentation of this union group was falsified by mine and railroad owners to dissuade further unions from forming. So Mm -hmm. they really made an example out of the Molly Maguires. And like the history of the Molly Maguires, I'll get into, but like they had been around for a really long time. So like this was a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. And they might not have even been called that. Like there's a lot of, conflicting information like it seemed like they were very much looking for a scapegoat as well um Mm. but i did not live during this time so i really could not tell you (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know uh but that's what the internet said so that's what i'm going with for right now uh and basically it is theorized that you know they were embellished to be more horrible than they were in order to like downplay unions and also like sway Americans to be mad at them to Mm -hmm. be like civil unrest is not worth this you're doing fine so don't care about these other people don't care about the immigrant populations because you're benefiting from us bringing industry and wealth into this town and then like in the comic book the game was talking about they were like okay Mm -hmm. it's not real we're just not gonna look at it and it won't exist um so that's what a lot of people did um and apparently 
from the same history.com article, it said, as Pennsylvania historian Daryl B. Johnson notes, the Molly Maguires were impacted, implicated in everything from the murder of the town's founder, Alexander Ray, to the death of the area's first priest. Some believe that the Mollies were guilty, while others claim that the Mollies were framed by owners of the mines who feared that the member of the Mollies and other organizations would organize mine workers into unions. Uh, they write that eventually, after a brutal attempt to subdue the Mollies, that the execution of some of the group's suspected leaders happened uh, in 1877, and subsequently the crime wave ended. Yeah, uh, what, if the it attacks, were there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, they definitely were murdering people, but, like, I think the why is important here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'll get into the why. Um, the attacks against unionization is something that haunts Pennsylvania and other industry-heavy states in that many unions were stomped out by big corporations with violence, and thus the unions had to enact violence back in order to make progress. Um, specifically, there's, like, many, like, kind of under histories like people who like you have to like hide these in places because a lot of people don't want you to know about them which i sound like a conspiracy theorist but it's like real <laughs> yeah, um no, it's, it's fine but the molly Maguires had a long history extending back to north central ireland as i said in the 1840s um as an offshoot of a long line of rural secret societies including the white boys and the ribbon men who responded to miserable working conditions and evictions by tenant landlords with bloody vengeance in Europe. Um, what was really interesting oh. about this um, is how Molly Maguire's uh, and the handling of their trial resulted in like the very much stomping out of unions mm -hmm. in the like specifically Pennsylvania for two decades. Um, Essentially, the handling of the trial and the exploitation of the mining and railroad industry all tie back to the very, like, kind of violent period, both within Centralia, but also, like, this period of civil unrest in Eastern PA. Uh, so, History.com article outlines the origins of the Molly Maguires goes to outline how the incident where the founder of Centralia, Alexander Ray, was murdered, uh, and, like, how that came to be. So... What's very interesting is that on the like Centralia PA site, it's just like this wonderful man was murdered. Yeah. The founder of our <laughs> wonderful town was murdered for no reason. The Molly Maguires were just thugs and like gangs just roaming around murdering people and causing havoc. And it was like, okay, maybe, mm -hmm. but also like why 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 would they want to murder him? Well, yeah. what's happening there? Uh so essentially, there was a lot of reasons, uh, and specifically Irish Catholics that had immigrated to Eastern Pennsylvania were, and were living in like Centralia and like other Eastern PA locations, were unable to find employment because at this time they were very uh, discriminated against in terms of businesses being like Irish need not apply, mm -hmm. you cannot work at my business. So then they ended up having to work at uh, like more physically demanding and dangerous mining jobs that were available at the time. So the men and their family were forced to live in overcrowded company-owned housing, buy goods from company-owned shops, and visit company-owned doctors. In many cases, workers wound up owing their employees at the end of each month. So I don't remember, I don't know if you guys who are listening to this now also listen to our um, Octavia Butler episode uh, where we talk a bit about how 
the whole development of the industry towns in that sense, it's all based on like real stuff uh, in that mm -hmm. these things have already happened. Industry towns have already been tested and found to be like very exploitative and dangerous in that at the end of the month, you end up owing your employer instead of getting an actual wage and salary. Um, so it ends up being slavery uh, of sorts. Um, so essentially at the start of the Civil War in 1861, when the draft began, many Irish miners were drafted to join, already financially disenfranchised. The Molly Maguires and other Irish unions allegedly threatened coffin notices to all mining supervisors and scabs, as they call people who go across strike lines, um, that were planning to fill their roles in the strikes when they were drafted. Uh, as the working conditions worsened, the violence escalated, and it's said that 24 mine foremen and supervisors were assassinated allegedly by, by the Molly Maguire and other union people, um, including Centralia's Alexander Rose, or Rose Ray, Alexander Ray. Of course, instead mm -hmm. of asking like why the civil, rest, civil unrest was happening, uh, the industry heads doubled down in their plans to destroy the unions and set a precedent to all others interested in unionizing. Um, in 1873, Franklin B. Gowen, the president of the Reading Railroad, hired a Pinkerton detective agency to infiltrate and destroy the Molly Maguires, whose union organizing became an impediment to the increasing railroad profits. Using the alias James McKenna, native Irishman James McParland spent two and a half years living alongside the coal mine coal miners, eventually gaining their trust. Despite the conflict of interest, Gowen then went on to serve as the chief prosecutor during the subsequent trials. Um, based almost entirely on McParland's testimony, 20 men were sentenced to death, 10 of whom were executed on June 21st, 1877, also known as Black Thursday. Although the existence of the Molly Maguires as an organized band of outlaws in America is still debated, most historians now agree that the trials and executions were an outrageous perversion of the criminal justice system. In 1979, more than 100 years following the hanging, John Cahoe, the supposed king of the Molly Maguires, was granted a full pardon by the state of Pennsylvania in that they recognized that this trial totally ignored like due process or any kind of rights. Uh, the mm -hmm. case in which the Molly Maguires were destroyed by the Pennsylvania government, or not even by the government, by these like industry heads, is one that definitely haunts the town and the areas surrounding Centralia. In fact, the Maguires were later pardoned, as I said, by the state, as they were not granted a fair trial, nor was evidence collected against them done legally. In explorepahistory.com, the execution of Molly Maguire's historical marker, article, they say, what took place, according to historian Harold Arand, was one of the most astounding surrenders of sovereignty in American history. A private corporation initiated and the investigation through a private detective agency, a private police force arrested the alleged offenders, and the coal company attorneys prosecuted them. The state only provided the courtroom and the hangman. Um, what followed was the cementing of Gowns' control of the coal industry and the crushing of union activity in the coal regions for close to a decade the exploitation of the population there and the wealth that followed is what grew Centralia in size and recognition for the rest of the 1800s and into the 1900s. The executions of the Molly Maguires did not stop the great rail strike of 1877, however, that took place in Pittsburgh uh, and essentially continued across other rail yards throughout the state. However, it did start the precedent of unmonitored industry-led violence on unions in Pennsylvania as 
well as uh, against railroad and coal workers and companies. Uh, the steel companies, coal companies, and railroad companies continued to use Pinkerton agents, which is the private police force, uh, to enforce their will upon workers and their families. The article goes on to explain that Henry Frick, the chairman of the Carnegie Steel Company, used Pinkerton agents in 1884 to guard his coal fields from strike breakers um, in 1891 to protect Italian strike breakers and again with disastrous results during the Homestead strike of 1892. Only then did the state of Pennsylvania become alarmed that private armies rather than public servants were wielding police powers in William Penn's Commonwealth, including the powers to enter private homes, disperse crowds, and arrest and imprison citizens. Jeez. So essentially, for a very long time, <laughs> Mm -hmm. like almost until the 1900s were industry towns basically not being run at all by the state of Pennsylvania, but entirely by these corporations who were exploiting them, like exploiting them uh, mm -hmm. and making them work for no money and doing horrible things to them. Uh, and the benefit always went to the people who were not experiencing that, the people who were getting the funding from these things. It wasn't until like the 1900s when industry started to shift in that World War One was uncommon, the Great Depression, um, as well as the transition into oil instead of coal, that mm. the companies were just like, all right, we've exploited you for all these years. We don't care anymore. Goodbye. Uh, and abandoned all these people that lived in these towns, uh, which I mean, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. I get like they were doing harm, but also like totally gutted these towns by taking the industry away as well. So as I said, in the early 1900s, at the start of World War I, many young men were drafted and left Centralia, leading to a decline in its prosperity. In addition, many strikes led to the industries pulling out of the mining. So uh, it's not like they stopped protesting and trying to form unions and, you know, trying to oppose these inherently exploitative environments. It's just that they start, once they finally started to make headway, all the mm -hmm. industries were like, all right, well, we don't want to work here then. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Great Depression really cemented this, as well as uh, the transition to oil for fuel. Many mines in and around Centralia closed, and the town shrank down in size, as Gabe said, is like by the 80s, there were only a thousand people living there. Um, when all the industry run, run mines closed what followed was bootleg mining where individuals took coal from the mines without training or regulations not that they really had regulations much before um and the centralia council specifically bought the area's mines uh, and the minerals beneath the town in 1950 in attempts to like still profit from it mm -hmm. um the town's population at this point was just under 2000 um but the mining industry just took a really long time to die out in that region because it, there was still coal within the mines. Uh, mm -hmm. And it continued through the early 1960s, which is when all of the remaining companies shut down and with little work, people began to leave. All of this to say is like really soon after that, it like ran until the 60s. And then two years later, the mine fire happened. So mm -hmm. no, not as many people are of, even there. Yeah. And then like, in addition to that, it's just like already so much awful had taken place there. Like the landscape of Centralia, it seems like it's like experienced a lot of kind of horrific things. And in reading about it, like none of that was talked about. Like it was always just like, 
we existed here and there's just families and people working and it was a great old time and no one ever had a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we our founder fire. got murdered and then we're on fire. <laughs> and it was all like very like happy sounding and it was really weird. Uh, so in my research, I just found it really interesting that what was highlighted was highlighted um, as well as just like how I just didn't know any of this. Like I knew there were strikes and I knew there were like union busting and I knew there was like industry towns and that things that happened, but like, I didn't know all the specifics. Um, mm-hmm. And like to get this picture, I had to like look up who the Molly Maguires were. I had to like look up specifically Alexander Ray's murder because everything on the Centralia website was just like, he was great. And then he was murdered for no reason. And that was so strange. Um, But there was a reason he was murdered is because he was exploiting people. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. I'm saying that word wrong, exploiting people. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so the belief that the Molly Maguires were nothing but rogue gangs dedicated to causeless violence seems to be perpetuated still even on the Centralia PA website. and that the mine owner, Alexander Ray, who contributed to worker exploitation and disenfranchisement is looked upon as this like innocent, well-to-do victim. Um, and it's just weird. It's just a weird vibe. Uh, it very mm-hmm. much gives off the energy of the story that he was talking about, like not specifically with like women and the patriarchy, but like men doing awful stuff. Um, definitely like just weird vibes. And like the fact that like they just don't talk about it really like, I remember mm-hmm. hearing something, like, a while back, specifically within TikTok, so, like, not that it was a necessarily reputable source, but that, like, the whole sweeping things under the rug in terms of, like, mining towns and unions is, like, pretty long history in the United States because of the corporations, like, doing a really good job writing, like, articles that, like, once you get past a certain point in history, all you really have is what was written by the press, uh, to really mm-hmm. go off of like personal diaries or stuff like that so it's like easy to rewrite history to benefit a certain group uh yeah. and that's very also, much what took place some of those workers probably couldn't write anyway yeah no 100 uh, definitely down yeah and i mean if like these families were being con- totally controlled by these corporations there i almost guarantee that they were not sending these children to school Mm-hmm. They were raising them to work in these factories or in these uh, mines also. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not even talking about like when child welfare laws started. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very possible children were working in these mines. Uh, I didn't find specific information on that. So like take that with a grain of salt. But I think it is fairly likely based on how unmonitored these areas were um, and mm-hmm. how totally in control these industries were over these areas like literally no government intervention whatsoever it was totally run by like this private organization and that's why trickle down economics doesn't work friends Uh, because when rich people are just in charge of anything they're not going to do the right thing so that's if anything this is a little lesson if you didn't know already but I highly recommend like learning about that part of it and less about like the on fire part. Cause like the on fire part was interesting. Sure. But like, it's really weird to me, or I guess not weird. It's weird to me, but not surprising that like none of that was easy to find. Um, I mean, it was once I like Googled specific stuff, but like with just Centralia in general, I it, nothing, nothing I found mm-hmm. mentioned any of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I recommend like doing some research on unions in Pennsylvania or just like in the United States in general and 
let me know what you find. I'd be lovely, lovely interested to learn about it. Um, cause this is super interesting to learn about and I hope I said it correctly. So let's get into the mind fire. It's the last section of my section. It took me a while to get here, but welcome. Um, <laughs> The mine fire is what most people think of when they think of Centralia in that on May 27th, 1962, the city of Centralia's local firefighters allegedly set fire to the town landfill in attempts to clean it up in preparations for the upcoming Memorial Day holiday. What the firefighters didn't realize was that the landfill connected to the mines underneath the town, um, and as they attempted to extinguish the fire... They left ash and water in its place. A few days later, they were shocked to find that the fire continued to burn. Um, they don't really go into like what led into that even. As Gabe was saying, it's like there's a lot of like allegedly's being thrown around. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, the town was on fire. <laughs> uh, and there were many attempts made to put out the fire, but it was not able to be put out. And then instead of like dealing with that in a real way, like no one left ultimately like everyone stayed in the town despite the fact it was on fire uh, mm -hmm. and like no one really wanted to talk about it so as the mines were filled with unmined coal it would make sense that these fires were extinguishable once they got underneath there um and the town coexisted with the fires for many de like decades two decades specifically um they continued to grow and spread uh, it wasn't until a boy apparently fell into a sinkhole uh and when carbon monoxide gas began seeping into homes that the government had to evacuate residents. Um, Cause now after all these years, it was like, Hey, maybe you don't do that. Uh, in here. Mm -hmm. So many of the local residents were evacuated voluntarily and the rest forcibly uh, on the central UPA website, detailing the event. It states many accepted buyout offers from their properties and moved elsewhere after leaving their homes were leveled in 1992 the commonwealth of pennsylvania used eminent domain to take control of all the property within the town the remaining buildings were condemned and the residents asked to leave many did but few remain and sued for their right to say the lawsuits would last for nearly another two decades during this time the town's population continued to decline as residents willfully left um, or were evicted from their homes. In 2013, the lawsuits ended and the eight remaining residents were allowed to stay as long as they lived. Today, only a few buildings remain within the borough. Um, so today the town is mostly abandoned, covered with graffiti and is a tourist destination. The fires have started to finally dissipate. So the ash and the steam is less present, uh, but I believe it's still on fire. Um, it has become a tourist attraction. Uh, because of the attention that media highlighting or like in reference to the town uh, brought to it, specifically Silent Hill. Uh, and that it's, yeah, it's become kind of like a tourist trap, but there's not much there to see. Yeah. It's just like graffiti on the ground. Some people are yeah. like, they are allowed to move back there now. That's good. I, I guess. I read that somewhere. <laughs> They're allowed now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is super interesting. Just like yeah, and I mean, I'm sure it's not just like the Irish people. I'm sure they were exploiting all kinds of people. You know, I'm sure they were just doing a bad time to everybody who mm -hmm. was there, um, who did not fit the white supremacist ideal. So I didn't find like specifics on that, but if anyone else does, please let me know because I would love to include it, uh, even though it yeah. sucks. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure um it's uh yeah i think it's crazy the 
we kind of touched on like the not industry towns but there's it's kind of hinted at in sorry to bother you i talked about the heart goes last margaret atwood's mm-hmm. book which has um it, not industry town but they like remodeled a prison to be this industry place where you lived and you worked yeah. so that you can just like have a place to be <laughs> um and just yeah. be exploited to survive uh which is just like that's kind of how we exist now but times like, 20 <laughs> yeah so it's like a little more where you're like okay wait a second um yeah, yeah. it's also interesting to have like the f- like in the similar way that you know she tied in the the boy falling into the sinkhole because that that scene really stuck out to me because I was like oh my god her kid just got straight yeah. up laid up and like the young people in the town are very much just like why are we still here like why are people (laughs) like you should not be here anymore yeah i think it's wild that that's like a real thing that happened like that's the only reason pennsylvania was like hey maybe you shouldn't live here is because like a small boy fell into a sinkhole and they were like hey that was horrifying maybe you need to leave (laughs) but like before Mm -hmm. that they're like it's fine live there for two decades with it entirely on fire no big deal we're not going to do anything because yeah. they weren't doing anything there before. Mm-hmm. They were just like, do whatever you want. We're not worried about it. Let everybody just not have rights. It's totally chill. Pennsylvania. That's okay. That's why our state is so wild. Yeah. In terms of like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, middle. Um, mm-hmm. Everywhere Because else. it's like no one has governed there. <laughs> so they don't know what stuff is. Yeah. I think it's crazy that it was like, the companies were literally like the police, the government, the <laughs> everything. They were like, we are everything in this town. You belong to us, period. I mean, that's just like, it's kind of America. They were in but, charge of yeah. everything. Like no, no government whatsoever did anything except for just like supply them with weapons and like stuff like to murder these people like it was really Mm -hmm. wild they're like it's fine because we benefit from the industry and money you bring into this area so Mm -hmm. do whatever you need to do to get that money guy totally chill totally fine we're not worried about it until we like need to be i guess when it starts to impact other people then we'll be worried about it or when like you start to get like human rights violations then we'll care Mm mm-hmm when other yeah. countries are like, hey, United States, what are you doing? It's yeah. bad. Or like, we could have made time. money for something and you're making it instead. Yeah. And we got to pop in because can't have that. And I mean, yeah. I researched this like over the last few days. I'm sure there is much more information that I didn't even find. And I would love to learn mm-hmm. more about. But it was fascinating at the end of the day. Um, and it's okay. gross. <laughs> yeah 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 I think for both of them it's just yeah and I think we're gonna I I think there's a haunted towns in our future because just like talking about Detroit's very specific problems talking about Centralia's specific problems I was like there are like and I mean we did like haunted sunken houses and that was a little dive into haunted towns in a way and I think it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting and I really enjoy learning about these things um and this history that just isn't ever going to be taught in schools so yeah you can come here instead it's like stuff yeah. you missed in history class except we're not them <laughs> we're yeah not, um 
And also, yeah, like, sure. hopefully it's just a jumping off point because I don't know everything, but I just learned mm-hmm. some stuff. And hopefully you're like, I want to learn even more. And then you guys, listeners, go do that mm-hmm. with your yeah. analysis glasses on. Yeah. And if you know anything, if you are connected to anyone over in Centralia, you've been there before, let us know. You can send us comments uh, on the video. You can uh, shoot us an email, theglowsnextdoor.gmail.com. Just let us know what's going on, what you think. If you've read this book, if we have suggestions for other comic books that we could cover on the show, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, We'll be wrapping up our haunted series somewhat soon. We've got some really heavy things to unpack coming up and then mm-hmm. we'll be in a new year. So yeah. New year. Yeah. New us, I guess, you know, hopefully who, who <laughs> are we next year? Like, yeah. It's like what is mate. who's cat? Who's game? I don't know. New girls. Who will they be? How will they look? What they'll will probably they be pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. I think they'll be I imagine. at the very least. Yeah. I feel like every year we get more interesting as people. Yeah, I totally like to think that. I agree. Yeah, I think so too. Um, <laughs> y'all stay cool too. We hope to see you in the next year. If you have uh, things you want us to cover in the new year, we're open. We're excited to hear about ideas and throw out some pitches for ourselves and see where the year takes us because we're always moving and adapting and hopefully we'll have another good year for, you know, the pandemic is yeah. going to do that to you. <laughs> Yeah, there's been like so many, so I imagine there'll be so many more. Right. Well, don't get married. Delete your kids. They're falling into a sinkhole. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>